welcome to No Ordinary, Ordinary Women. Women with Lynn Pontillo and Rose Stein. The podcast where two ordinary broads chat about unordinary women, the good, the bad, and the batshit crazy. I'm Lynn Pontillo. And I'm Rose Stein. Welcome to episode two. Season one. <laughs> We're on a roll, y'all. We're getting it done. Who so, are you doing? Who are you doing? You're getting who done? I'm getting you done. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the comedy in this podcast today is brought to you by Knob Creek Bourbon. Oh, what kind of drink did you make tonight, Lynn? Tonight I made... Fancy schmancy Knob Creek that I got as a birthday gift. Mixed it with a little bit of lemonade, a splash of ginger, a splash of ginger ale, and a nice lemon squeeze. Oh, Easy peasy delicious. lemon squeezy. <laughs> did I buy you this for your birthday? Cheers. Cheers. No, you didn't. Your sister did. Don't mm. try and take credit. Well, one in the same. I take credit for everything she does. As you said, except her husband. <laughs> No, no. That's gross. That's my brother. It's your brother I mean, he's not gross, no. just that he's my brother. I'm a little no, gross. it's yes. I understand. I understand. So you're going to go first this time? So I'm going to go first tonight. Okay. And I'm talking about a stalker. Oh, God. All right. So late one evening in 2011 in Fort Townsend, Wash- in Port Townsend Washington... You got it. You got it. Anna Nasset was busy getting her gallery window ready for a gallery walk the next day when a man approached her window and knocked. Wait, a gallery walk. So never heard the term in my life. And I just heard it this weekend. Are you serious? Um, Where was I? And I heard about it. Oh, there was a big art show in in Kingston where I was visiting my son and it's a long story, but it, and I was reading about it because we know somebody distantly that's, that was going to be in it, participating okay. in it. And, and it, I was reading the article and it said there was going to be an art walk. And I was like, what's an art walk? And then you just mentioned it today. Did you find out what it was? Yeah. It's where you, well, this said where you walk around from, um, from gallery to gallery. Oh, okay. So. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know if it was just her her um, gallery or if it was other galleries. Yeah, but I had never heard the term before this weekend. No, Not I just heard it twice person. in one week. Shazam. <laughs> so she's on a stops what she's doing and opens the door and asks him what he wants. And he gives her a small painting that he said he made for her. He tells her that he wants to submit paintings to show at her gallery, and they talk for a few minutes, and she gives him a business card, and he goes on his merry way. So the next day, Anna starts receiving messages from this man, asking about showing his artwork and wanting to give her his portfolio. But What soon, was he really trying to show her, Rose? Yeah. Soon the conversation becomes unsettling, because he See, begins talking about... I knew her it. appearance and how attractive she is. Yuck. Yeah, men are disgusting. Yeah. Not all men, but mm. a lot of them. Most of them. <laughs> and he tells her that the painting he gave her was titled Marry Me and that he thought he might want to marry her. What? How long has he known her? He does not know her at all. So oh, that's no. very, very creepy. 
So she immediately stops responding because she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then he starts saying like, oh, it was great to see you today when she hadn't actually seen him. And she's like, okay, this is getting really, really creepy. Oh, that's yuck. No, thank you. So over the weeks, they get the messages get more and more harassing and more frequent. And Anna is getting greatly like affected by this because she's. Well, she's creeped I mean, out. It's creepy, and he's like showing up at her gallery, and is she's she, like, "Does she live?" I'm sorry to interrupt you. Does she live alone. She's like yes, not married. She, or anything, she lives right? alone. Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, and she works alone in her gallery. It's her gallery, so she she works alone. Like she's there all day and all night. And it's very vulnerable. It was November in Washington State, so it was getting dark really early, and mm-hmm. she would have to like walk to her car in the dark and stuff. And she's creeped out, you know. So, and she starts, like, staying home more and stops going out as much because he's, like, talking about how he sees her all the time and she's just really creeped out by it. And... Freak. She would sometimes have friends come by and, like, sit with her at the gallery so she wouldn't be alone. Um, And she just kind of felt like she was being, like, put into this prison of not being able to, like, leave her house or her gallery because... He was always there or saying he was there and she wouldn't even see him, which is even creepier. So she does some research and figures out that this man is 37-year-old Fraser Rochford. How old is she? Do we know? You know, I don't know. I think she's in her early 20s at this point, but I'm not sure. 37-year-old. Okay. Um, That's my age, so. Well, I feel like she's... She went to college, right? Yeah. So she's like in her mid twenties. Maybe mid mid, yeah, mid mid to late twenties. Okay. Yeah, that that's okay. kind of how what the feeling I got. So he's thirty seven. Yeah, because he can't find a woman his age because he's a weirdo. Right. Anyway. I mean, he can't even find a woman his age to stalk. So they tell her. So she goes to the the police um, with this information, and they tell her that they are they're actually familiar with him because he has a long history of stalking. Oh, imagine that. And he's paranoid schizophrenic, and he tends to stalk people for a few months, and then he moves on. And so she's like, okay, like, he's going to stalk me for a few months, and then he's going to move on, and I'll be fine. And so that's wrong. somewhat comforting to her, you know? <laughs> I feel like... As comforting as like, that can be. I feel like if that were the case, it'd be a very short story. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be telling it. Yeah, so he moved on. That's the end. That's it. Bye. <laughs> Ready for your story? <laughs> so... Um, One of his first known victims was a former classmate of his um, whom he started harassing and sending letters to. And he was actually convicted of felony harassment in 2009. And when he was convicted on that charge and sent to prison, he actually started stalking the therapist and a prosecuting attorney and a corrections officer. While he was in jail. While he was in jail. He was stalking because, three other people. Right, because he didn't have access to anyone else. So he... Like, oh, yeah, well, it I makes mean, sense. Yeah. Obviously. Like, yeah. How do you stalk someone from jail, though? I, <laughs> I don't even know. He's very good at it, apparently. So by the time he had started stalking Anna, he had 12 prior convictions for stalking and harassment. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry, oh I, have a, I have a frog in my throat. And harassment... You went sucking on a frog. <laughs> I didn't suck on it. I, I swallowed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> so 
He has 12 convictions for stalking and harassment, 16 per- protective orders, and oh. but he had only spent a total of 15 months behind bars. How? How? How do they not say, clearly, you can't be free? Right. Like After, what? like, the fifth? Protective order After or the, the 10th or 15th. After the second, yeah. <laughs> oh, my god. 16 protective orders. Makes How, me feel very safe. You know, you think, like, there should be a law that once you have, like, three, you should be in jail permanently. Oh, my God. I just listened to our, we're big, big fans of, um, of uh, True Crime Obsessed. And they just did a story on Selena's stalker. Oh my gosh, I listened to that. And it was so that good. That was like nuts. I yeah. was just like, I mean, I remember hearing about that, you know, when it actually happened, but I really didn't know a lot about it. Right, me too. And um, I mean, come that was on. really good. I know. Oh my god. And that was her best friend, which is even that that was, that was, was awful. Her best friend, but she was so old. That should have been her right. First she red was flag. my. She was my age, so she was like. Why are all these stalkers your age, Rose? I know. That is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I guess that's when you get into your stalking. I guess you're a weirdo. Maybe I need to start stalking people. You almost made me waste my drink. <laughs> yeah. And then Selena was like in her early 20s. 20s, yeah. Be, I mean, which isn't that weird. Like if I was hanging out with somebody in their 20s, but I don't know. I mean, it's like the age difference between us, but I mean. Right. I but, don't know. Anyway. You're, but that's different because like. Because you're the weirdo in our relationship, not me. That's true. So <laughs> it makes it a lot better. <laughs> and the younger person's weird. <laughs> All right. Makes so, it okay. <laughs> so, sorry, back, 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 back. So the police tell her that she needs to document everything and basically build her own case, which is pretty common with stalking victims mm-hmm. because they're the ones who have, like, the information. Right. <clears throat> so she starts documenting everything. Every text, every note, every phone call. Every time she sees him or he says he sees her, everything. Mm. She files a restraining order. And the police are really awesome and take it very seriously and do everything they can to prosecute Rochford. Surprise. They do. In 2012, he serves a year in jail and Anna moves to an apartment that's just 500 feet from her studio so that hmm. while he's in jail so that when he gets out, she's really close to her studio and doesn't have okay. to walk very far. Right. Um, so she's feeling a little better um, when he gets out. But within a few months, he starts writing letters to their police department about how evil Anna was and how evil people deserve to die. Oh. And this becomes really concerning because she's a public figure in their community and often has large gallery walks and which a lot of people attend. So they're afraid that there's going to be some kind of like mass attack at one of her events or something. And he's doing this to get around, you know, he's not directly saying that he's going to hurt her, that she deserves to die. He's saying that people like her deserve to die. And so he's kind of, I still think think it's, I still think he should have been, arrested for that considering he has she has a restraining order but I guess they think otherwise so Anna was granted a permanent restraining order against him um, that stated that he was not allowed to come within 150 miles of her miles miles so that would be outside the city limits easily and but I don't think that actually happens you know I don't I mean it sounds like he's still 150 miles. Stalking her. <clears throat> that's like... 
it's 150 miles from here. I'm so bad with like mileage and stuff. So like, you go. 60 it's almost miles like away. Northern Virginia. Yeah, <clears throat> which well, is far. Northern Virginia is like 120. For well, I guess you don't are going 55 the whole time. So it's I guess it's about 130, 40. So it's like like Maryland from here. That's far. That's far. Yeah. Yeah. So over the next few years, things are kind of quiet, but he's still actively stalking her, and I'm sure he's stalking multiple people. It's not just her, you know? Yeah. Um, but he's really obsessed with her. Um, so a few things he tried to do during this time was he tried to rent a apartment complex in, I mean, an apartment in her complex. Um, he tried and, to rent an apartment in her complex. Which is clearly against a restraining order. Yeah, that's, uh, post- that's a big-ass complex that's 150 <laughs> miles wide. He... Post pictures of her new apartment building on social media when she moves, and he's like in grocery stores when she's shopping. He'd be like in the next aisle, like peeking around, stalking her. And so she doesn't want to report these things because when she reports things, he takes it as a sign that she loves him and that she's like giving him some kind of a sign. That makes sense. And so he's getting her attention. Right. Right. And so she tries to just ignore it and, and, just move on, but I mean, can you imagine being? No, you can't ignore that because you're you. Ha- she has to be like. I feel like if I were to think about how she's feeling, it would almost be like every time she sees him, she has like a panic attack because that's what I feel like. I would like have a panic attack where she like starts shaking. Right, and, right. You know, and so ignoring it as far as he's concerned is one thing, but ignoring it as far as your body's concerned is another. Right, thing. and. It's and... Be so yeah. Like detrimental to her health. Right. And it has to be terrifying because she doesn't know, like, is he going to, like, like, he's still writing to her. So she doesn't know if mm. he's going to flip out at this point and actually do one of the, you know, things yeah. he says he's going to yeah. do. Or So <clears throat> she really, like, starts to isolate herself because she's terrified. Um, she doesn't go anywhere alone. She doesn't walk anywhere. She starts shopping at odd hours because she knows at one point that he didn't have a car and she knew that the, she found out like the bus transportation schedule. What if she would have just started stalking him? I wonder what would happen. Right. Like if she just started following him and like, like I wonder what someone like that would do. Like if they were like stalking you, stalking you, stalking you, and then you just started stalking them. You think it would set them off? Well, probably. I I mean, they're so like... If you're a therapist, let us know. (laughs) So in 2013, she has to close her business. phone number. Give her a call. (laughs) (laughs) She has to close her business because it just becomes too much to handle. Like she's, she can't even go to work anymore. She's anxious Mm. all the time. Poor thing. That's just awful. So in 2015, she visits her parents in Ohio and she realizes how bad life has become in Washington. In Ohio, she's able to go out alone and walk alone and meet up with friends without being terrified. And it really just hits her that she's living in a prison in Washington. Mm -hmm. And when she gets back from that trip, Rochford takes her to court to try and get the protective order revoked. And the judge basically tells him to shove it and to never try something like that again because he'd arrest him for breaking the protection order. Yeah, he's just doing it to get her in court. So right, he, see he her. wants to see her, right. And he Creep. wants that control over her. They should cut off his finger every time they catch him. They shouldn't even take that to court, you know? Yeah, no, it shouldn't have been taken I mean, to court. So, 
Anna mentions a quote that she heard um, that's stalking is homicide in slow motion. And she says she just really like related to that so much because it was slowly killing her. She had she was like suicidal at points and she felt like this would never end, that it would never, ever go away. Well, stress is so bad for your body and your health. Right. I can't imagine what it was doing to her And health. it was 24-7, you like, know? Was like, was she, like, massively gaining weight from stress or massively losing weight right. from stress? Was she not able to exercise because she was, like, paralyzed by right. the stress? Like, I mean, And then it just, what a, like, all that negative energy in your body, like, in my opinion, <clears throat> causes bad things to happen in your body. And it's just... Ugh, I can't imagine. I know, it's... so sad. I just feel so bad for her. So, she talks about another aspect of stalking that people don't often think about, and that is that no one thinks that you're a safe person to be around. Um, Mm -hmm. Employers don't want you to to hire someone like you because they're afraid of what will happen to their company and that there'll be, like, a stalker on property, you know? It's always an incident. Right. Right. Um, Friends don't want to hang out with someone who's being stalked because they're afraid that the stalker will decide to attack and and do you want to be with someone who's Rose? It, Rose, if you're ever stalking, if you're ever being stalked, uh, let me know because I would love to hang out with you so I could punch that person <laughs> right in the face. Don't worry, no one's ever gonna stalk me. <laughs> I hope. I hope. Please don't stalk her. Please don't stalk me. I would have a panic attack. I think if somebody decided to stalk me, they'd be like, "Man, this bitch is really boring." <laughs> If they tried to stalk me, they'd be like, oh, my God, would you stay home for three minutes? I'd be like, I gotta, you know, go to practice, drop kids off at practice every five seconds. They wouldn't be able to afford the gas at all. I know. I can't afford the gas. Um, So you basically become a liability, with which isolates you even further, because no one wants to hang out with you, and you're kind of just stuck, you know? So in 2016, she decides to move to Vermont. And she lives a pretty quiet life, but she's always looking over her shoulder. And in October of 2016, she returns to Washington for a visit. And while there, Rochford starts messaging her again. And the things he's saying is just disgusting and vile. And it continues when she goes back to Vermont. And I don't know how he knew she was back in Washington it's, maybe she still had her old place or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she went back. She probably still. She probably kept her place. Or, or hung out with the same friends. So. Walk in front of a bus or something. Yeah. Um, I think he was still he was still contacting her during that time. I think, but when she was in Vermont, but I think it ramped up when she went back to Washington. So during these few years, the prosecution is building their case about and Rochford ends up going back to prison for a short time for stalking another woman. And in 2019, so this started in 2011, I said? 20, yeah, 2011. Okay. He starts stalking her. And in 2019, they finally decide to charge him for aggravated stalking and felony cyber stalking. Um, 2019. Yeah. So eight, seven years later. Yeah. Eight years later. Eight years later. Eight years later. Good grief. Eight years. Eight years of her life have been just, she's been tormented. So So they go to court and he decides that he's going to defend himself. Oh, what a jackass. Of course he is. 
and yeah Ooh. right and it's pretty common for stalkers i guess because they want to like control their victim and they want to be able to talk to them and you know he hasn't had a chance to talk to her yeah, actually so he gets to like cross-examine her and actually talk to her which is his dream what would our friends say at small town murder you sir may fuck off <laughs> <laughs> so anna ends up testifying for eight hours and on the second day um he cross-examines her and God, that had to be so traumatic for she her. decides that she's not going to, like, look him in the eye at all. She's not going to look at him. She's just going to look at, like, anything else in the courtroom. Yeah, the judge, her attorney. Um, and she is physically ill. She's vomiting at every break. She's vomiting. She has a bucket next to her on oh the stand. God. She's vomiting into. So she's basically being, she's basically being victimized again. Right. On the stand. Totally. I mean, 100%. Absolutely. And. Um, I think we our justice system failed her in that. This. For sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, that should not be allowed. Just letting him question her is us failing her, right. in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that he should not be allowed to question her at all. So, um, because she won't look directly at him, it kind of throws his questioning off, and yeah. he starts kind of rambling and talking crazy, which the jury's like... I mean, it wasn't a jury, it was just the judge, but... Yeah. It kind of, he kind of showed his crazy. Yeah. So, um, he actually starts asking her about her job before the gallery and where it was. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty close to my father's workplace. And he finds a way to tell her during this testimony that he has actually been stalking her since way before that night in 2011 at the gallery. He started stalking her in 2008. Eight? Yes. So, it's been 11 years that he's been stalking her. And And she she didn't even know about it. So, now the her safe point in her life has been ripped away from her. Right. Because now... So even when she thought she was safe, she absolutely wasn't. She wasn't, right. Oh, my God. So when she's done with her testimony, she's taken to the jury's room and she just collapses on the floor sobbing. Like, oh, hell yeah. Um, the fact that she didn't jump over that stand and punch him right in the face. I know. I mean, I. it's just terrifying that he can do that. So he's convicted on both charges and he's sentenced to 10 years, which is basically way more than any stalker ever gets. Like the judge, the judge was really good. He, she gave him the max that she could. Um, But it's still less time than he's taken of her life. Oh, right. I know because he's been stalking her for 11 years. Yeah. So Anna um, starts an organization called Stand Up Resources to help raise awareness about stalking. And she speaks to people and tells them her story. But she doesn't like to call herself an advocate or a professional because she just wants to share her story and help victims. Um, She's now, she does live in Vermont. She's able to take walks by herself. And she's still very, very fearful. But Oh, hell yeah. And she's always looking over her shoulder. He but she does have her security from right. Life. She she has a little more freedom, but she's gonna always be be afraid. Vermont's a very peaceful, and that's place. when he's in jail. I mean, he's gonna get out. You know what I mean? And I can't even imagine. I'm sure he'll start again. Yeah. So when he gets out, so here's my thing. She's doing all this really great work now, which is probably helping in her her healing right. process. So when he gets out of jail. You know he's going to go right back to her. Oh, There's right. There's not a single right. doubt in my mind. Yeah. I have 
And especially because she talks about it. Right. And so because she is an ad, well, she doesn't like to call herself an advocate, but she is a, I don't know what's, what would be the word I'd use for it. Not an advocate. She's a, you know, a wealth of knowledge. Right. We'll say. Um, she has all these like public appearances and stuff probably in her bio. And so he's just going to be able to find her again. Right. I mean, I, and I'm sure she's pretty careful about that, Hope, yeah. but Hopefully he'll have to... The internet shows me that she lives in Vermont. I mean... Yeah. Hopefully he'll have to um, do, like, house arrest or something, and he won't be able to have Wi-Fi, or maybe maybe there'll be, like, yeah. a lot of conditions to his release. Yeah, I mean... And maybe, what? like, he won't know how to use technology as well when he gets out, because yeah. it'll have been ten, 10 years. Maybe he won't be allowed to use it. That would be fantastic. I'm sure he'll get around it somehow. Maybe they could cut up his fingers and... <laughs> We can leave her alone. Cut out his tongue so he can't talk to her. I don't know. I can come up with a whole lot of punishment. So, um, Anna warns people to always be aware of their surroundings and to trust their guts. And don't feel like you're crazy or overreacting when you sense something is wrong. Um, When you go to the police, tell them that if they tell you that they they can't do anything about your situation, tell them that they can and that you're going to figure it out together because you have to be insistent with mm-hmm. the police um oh before you ever go to a police station go to your local crisis shelter and give or give them a call and get a victim advocate because she had a victim advocate um since 2012 and she says it really like changed her life yeah. it really really helped her well, get they know through the it. system they right. know the system they know how to work they, they know how to get you the things you need as somebody as a a typical citizen, you and I, we don't know the system. We don't right. know how, like, you go to court and you get this document, then you go to court and get that document, or it, before you can go to court, you have to get this, that, right. you know, ABC documents. We don't know that. That's and then you go to the police so and they're great. like, oh, we can't do anything. And you're like, okay. I mean, And then after the fifth time you go to the police, they're like, oh, you haven't filled out document A yet? Right. Nobody yeah, really filled exactly. Out yeah. So it is, advocates are great. Yeah. Great for that. And thing. she was also That's assigned, um, during the trial, she was assigned a victim witness coordinator who helped her prepare for the trial and was like there with her during the trial and um wonder if all states offer that that's a great social program i yeah i don't know that's um so some statistics i found about stalking more than six million people over the age of 18 are stalked each year in the united states and that number is actually believed to be much higher but unfortunately just 40 percent of stalking cases are reported to police one in six women and one in 17 men are stalking survivors. Roughly 15% of those individuals said that stalking for, forced them to move. Um, and if you don't know how to reach your local service provider, you can contact the National Do- Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. We'll have that in uh, the notes for the podcast yes. as well. Wow. It's, yeah, she's incredible. I mean, what she's done to turn it around and. That's insane. That's just not so. And the fact that she's willing to put herself out there after having been stalked is incredible. Right. And publicly. Right. Put herself out there. Right. And so I'm hoping that that's helping her heal. Right. I mean, because I just can't even imagine. I mean, I went through being stalked twice in my life and it's terrifying. And. I mean, for me, it was people that I had been in a relationship with. So 
they just, you know, men, you know, they want you, they don't want you. They want to throw you to the side, kick you to the curb, cheat on you. But then the minute you're like, okay, I'm done with this. And all of a sudden they can't live right, without you. Right. And they're like following you and bringing you presents and, you know, and try and cause your whole life turmoil. Yeah, that's yeah. terrifying. And that's, you know, the fact that she didn't even know him is, I think, even more creepy. Because, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not yeah. Like I don't know what she which one's creepier. Gave him any part of her ever. Right. And he just decided to start following her. Right. Ugh. Like out of nowhere, she he just saw her one day oh and God, got, no. became obsessed. And no, ma'am. Yeah. It's, no. It's terrifying. No. So, who are you going to tell us about today, oh, Lynn? Lordy. So, Rose, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about pirates. Rose, are we cheering? Seeing? No. We cheersing? No. <laughs> Cheers, Rose. <laughs> Cheers. No, can you drink this? Oh, do you want me to drink your yeah. drink? Yeah. Well, I guess so, because you got to drive. So hold yeah, on. Yeah, I have to drive. I'm going to combine the two. I really want it, but I'm not going to drink it. You want me? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Always. Anyway. Uh, i got to drink the drinks. Anyway, so Rose, I'm going to talk to you today about pirates. Pirates? I thought we were yeah. talking about women. We are talking about a woman. <gasps> Pirate? What? What? So were you afraid of the pirates in Peter Pan? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. I just went to swipe up on my screen with my finger. <laughs> FYI, it's I'm not using my iPad. I'm using... It's a computer. Oh, my Lordy, Lord, Lord. Okay. So um, do you recall? I don't remember it. I mean, there's a couple different um, Peter Pan movies. I don't remember there ever being women pirates in those movies. No, do you? never. I don't think they so were. Either. I hated the pirates, though. They were yeah. terrifying. So I'm going to talk today about Anne Cormack. She was born in Kinsdale in Cork County, Ireland, to William Cormack and Mary Brennan. Um, her birth year is speculated to be between, ni- I'm sorry, 1697. I'm doing another oldie. 1697 oh, and 1700. Oh, wow. William, who was married to some other broad, was a lawyer and Mary... And mom was William's servant. Oh, nice. So, (laughs) William's wife made his adultery public knowledge, which ensured that he wasn't going to receive any money from his estate. So I guess back then, if you were adulterous, you didn't, you know, you lost everything. Well, that's shocking. I know. I'm surprised a man lost anything. So she was the one with all the money? Well, no, it just says anything from his... I, that's what I thought at first when I read it, but I think it's just like if he she could prove that he was adulterous, then she would get everything. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like a woman would benefit from anything is beyond me. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so this forced him to move himself, Mary, his servant, and Anne, his daughter now, his illegitimate daughter, to London. When William moved to London, he started a new law practice, um, and he began dressing Anne, his daughter, as a boy. And calling her Andy while he was training her to be his law clerk, law clerk. And I don't know, I don't, I couldn't figure out, I'd find out why he was doing this. I, the only thing I can figure is that um, girls couldn't work in the office right. and he needed That's help. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, there has to be something about women not being equal. But anyway, <laughs> um, when Anne was about 10 years old, um, William, her dad, discovered that he would never receive any of that money from his, from the estate. In Ireland. And he was still married at this point? He wasn't married. He, he never... I don't think he ever married... Um, no, he was still married to Oh, yeah. He was still married to her. Wife. She divorced him, his wife. And then when he realized in the divorce he was oh, not getting okay. anything, yeah. he moved Mary, his 
mistress and Anne, his illegitimate daughter, to the New World and settled in, which is now which is now Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, okay. At first, the family had a rough start in the New World, but William's knowledge of the law and ability to buy and sell goods helped him afford a townhouse, and then eventually a plantation just outside of the city. Oh wow! Yeah. Sadly, Anne's mother died when she was about 12 years old. Her father attempted to establish himself as an attorney, but was having, wasn't having much luck um, it, doing law. So eventually he became a merchant and started to make profits. At this point in her life, Anne started to make a, a name for herself. Not such a good name, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. She secured a rough reputation. She had red hair and was considered a good catch to the men, but had a fiery temper. At 12 years old? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was a good catch. It's rumored at age 13, she actually stabbed a servant girl with a knife. Oh, my God. But it doesn't say over what. I'm sure it was nothing important. So Anne f- soon found herself after this smitten with a very poor sailor and a small-time pirate named James Bonney. Hence where she gets the name, Anne Bonney. James was also attracted to Anne, especially when he realized her father was successful. He was hoping to eventually inherit her father's estate. But when William, her father, found out about the relationship, he did not approve. Because he was a poor pirate. He was like, you know, no right, daughter of yeah. going to be associated with this riffraff. Marry a rich white man. Yeah, exactly. So he disowned Anne and kicked her out of the house. There's a story. It's it's Because this is piracy and all there's a lot of lures. Right. So big there's a story that says that she, that Anne, set fire to her father's plantation in retaliation. But there's no evidence. To, I believe it. There's no evidence. That's to fiery support red this. hair. I'm like, <laughs> it's like I said, there's no evidence exists to support this. You mean the whole place is burned down? So there's no evidence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at 16, she ended up marrying James Bonney and took his name. They soon sailed to Nassau in the Bahamas, which was a sanctuary for English English pirates. English pirates. English pirates called the Republic of Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer of 1718, James Bonney became a snitch for the governor of Nassau. So he wasn't, as I told you, he was a poor pirate. He wasn't very successful at stealing other people's stuff. So, so he started snitching? So he started being a snitch. And you know what happened snitches to snitches? Get stitches. They get stitches. <laughs> He would report to the governor about pirates in the area, which resulted in a multitude of these pirates being arrested. So you imagine how well that went over. Oh, yeah. But like it was real popular. Yeah, like a big old font in church. <laughs> and uh, was not all about him snitching. She's like, no, we don't snitch around here. She said, um, you're not doing this work for Governor Rogers. So she was hanging out in the local, ta- local taverns. And while doing so, she met Calico Jack Rackham and became his pirate partner. He sounds and, better than and Bonnie. Bonnie. I know. It sounds like a real pirate name, doesn't it? I know. It? it does. Rackham was enamored by Anne and offered her husband, James, money to divorce her. But her husband, James, said, nope, not happening. Basically another one of those, I can't have her, so you can't either. Yeah. And threatened to beat Rackham. So Anne had no choice but to escape the island with her new love, Rackham. Quickly, she became a member of his crew, but she disguised herself as a man because women on pirate ships were usually just there for one reason, and usually it wasn't on their own free will, sadly. Um, Rackham was aware that... Rackham was the only one that was aware on his ship that she was a woman until it became clear that she was pregnant. Oh. Yeah. 
So what'd they do then? Did they... So... I guess left... if he was, like, the boss, they were just like, oh, that's cool. Well, it left them... No... Yeah, I guess the pirates, you know... I, I guess... wonder if that happened a lot. Like, women dressed up as men to be pirates. I don't know. I don't Can know. you imagine getting your period? Ugh, on a pirate ship. On a pirate like, ship? Do do? Yeah, there's no bathrooms for sure. Mm, no or, or being pregnant on a pirate ship. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. Ugh. So they were left no choice but to land the ship in Cuba, where Anne gave birth to a son. She immediately rejoined her passion for piracy life and by helping her husband steal the ship named William, which had four cannons and two swivel guns. It's really important. So she just left the baby? Yeah. So it seems that it's it, there's, there's definitely, like, some people say that maybe the baby didn't survive, but there's more stories than not that say that... She gave birth um, surrounded by some of his family, Rackham's family. Okay. So she left the baby. And she with just them. left them. She just left yeah. it. You know, just like, we'll, oh, go, I have we'll go with that story. Again. Yeah. So, Although I'm sure his family's not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he ran off to be a pirate. So when she, she stole, when she stole the ship William with Rackham and 13 other men, and they put it out to sea, the ship William, Anne and Rackham recruited 13, the, the 13 men as a new crew and spent years in Jamaica and surrounding area. Somehow, I'm not sure how she did this. Maybe she did it online. I don't know. But while back at sea, she divorced her husband and married Rackham. Maybe she divorced him. She divorced him. So like maybe an online form or like a message in a bottle, a pigeon, a pigeon. (laughs) It's probably a message in a bottle. I was like, how it said while she was out to sea, she divorced her husband. I'm like, how did she do that? What year is this? Like 1800? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure she divorced him. She's like, I'm divorced now. Yeah, Let's get yeah, married. Whatever. And then how did she get she, married? I don't know. He's a captain, so I guess he could marry them himself. <laughs> He's a captain. I didn't know captains <laughs> could marry people. Yeah, captains of ships can marry people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Anne consistently jumped right into combat alongside the other pirates. Because of this, the governor of Nassau named her in a wanted pirate circular published in the Boston Newsletter. She was known as what's part of the... what. The governor, part of what the governor called enemies to the crown of Great Britain. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, Anne found herself attracted, during this time, Anne found herself attracted to one of the other pirates on the ship. She told this pirate in secret that she was actually a woman and that she was attracted to him. Plot twist. The other pirate was also a woman. Oh, my God. They're lesbians. Disguised as a man. (laughs) Mary Reed was her name, another famous pirate. Yes. So. Oh, my God. How did that even happen? Uh, I'm Like, what are the odds, right? So think- then it makes you wonder, like you said earlier, how many women pirates were there really? So Anne's husband suspected. And was she just like deep down inside an actual lesbian? I don't. And she just sensed it? Well, there are sources that allege that the two were having a fa- an affair. So who oh. knows? But. Uh, Rackham suspected they were spending an awful lot of time together and he suspected Roman suspected romantic involvement between the two but at this time he was thinking Mary was, was a, man. a man yeah so Anne had to tell him that she was in fact a woman and so he was like oh okay whatever so that's when so he's like oh they're just BFFs hanging out having sex in the bed yeah that's fine yeah so he like <laughs> yeah as long as you don't want in front of me you know like stupid yeah <laughs> gross. gross anyway yeah so, in October of 1720, Rackham and his crew were attacked off in a grill by a ship captain under commission, under a commission from the governor of Jamaica. Most of Rackham's pirates put up little resistance. Why, you ask, Rose? Because they were too drunk to fight. <laughs> Just they like were, us. Yes, yes. <laughs> they were taken to Jamaica where they were convicted and sentenced by the governor to be hanged. 
Anne was frustrated with her capture. Um, she she was frustrated with her with the whole capture process because she told her husband that, you know, had you well, what she said exactly was, had you fought like a man, you need not have been hanged like a dog. Oh so basically, God. she's like, you know, you were so drunk, you idiot, that now we're all being hanged. Right? Yeah. So I, mean, I don't blame her. But she had some balls to be talking to people like that back uh, then. Yeah. So their trial began on November 28th, 1720. Jamaica's upper class gathered around in a courtroom in town, later known as Spanish Town. An official account of the trial is actually available. According to that document, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed were led to the railing in the front of the courtroom. The court recorder, the, I'm sorry, the court recorded, recorded, the court, <laughs> the court record identified Bonnie and Reed as spinsters late of the island of Providence. Hmm. Aren't spinsters like people who never got married? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. They're but not, they both they, got married. Yeah, they, they never had up? kids or got married. But um, Mary, I don't know if she was ever married. Oh, but okay. And Anne had been married twice at this point. Okay. How did the women plead, Rose? What do you think? Guilty. Not guilty, the women answered. The testimony began. Thomas Spenlow was one of the first witnesses. Spenlow owned a schooner that was off northern Jamaica when Rackham's ship attacked. Spenlow surrendered, and Rackham's crew took the ship along with 50 rolls of tobacco, nine bags of pimento, and ten slaves. He told the court he saw both women abroad 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 (laughs) aboard the ship after spenlow two after spenlow finished testifying two frenchmen were frenchmen were sworn in along with a french interpreter they told the court they'd been hunting wild hogs on the shore of hispaniola when rackham's crew kidnapped them sailing with the pirates they witnessed raids and saw anne handing uh, handing over gunpowder and, and weapons to the crew as needed. The woman wore men's clothes when the pirates attacked ships and women's clothes in other times. Oh. Yeah. So they were like, yeah. That's they interesting. Were, so they didn't want the other ships to know that they were women? Right. Well, probably because, I mean, honestly. They would probably take them and rape them. They would them. take them and rape them, yeah, probably, right. yeah. So according to these Frenchmen, the women were very active on board and willing to do any, and they capitalized, thing. And did not seem to be kept or detained by force, but of their own free will and content. That's what the Frenchmen told the judges. Next up was Thomas Dillon, the owner of the Mary and Sarah. He said his ship was anchored off the northern coast of Jamaica when a strange sloop sailed close and then fired. A sloop is like a sailboat. Okay. Um, Dylan and his crew piled into a small boat and paddled toward the shore for help, but someone on Rackham's ship shouted... That, hey, we're English pirates. You have nothing to fear. And Dylan said, oh, my gosh, okay, great. So he paddled back and joined them on their ship. But as soon as they got on board, he saw Anne Bonnie with a gun in her hand. Both women were drunkards, cursing and swearing. And very, very, and he also says, very ready and willing to do anything in capital T. Don't know, again, what that means on board. sex? I guess. Anything. Like, I don't know. That's what I write about you on the bathroom wall. Shh, don't tell anybody. She's willing to do anything. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan told the court that the pirates stole his ship. The most damning testimony, next, was a victim of the pirates, Dorothy Thomas. Her testimony of Reed and Bonnie, 
They wore men's jackets and long, long trousers and handkerchiefs tied about their heads. And each of them have a machete, had a machete and a pistol in their hands. And they cursed and swore at the men to murder Dorothy. Oh. They were like, no sympathy for this broad. Thomas said she was in... Thomas said she was... In a dugout canoe filled with provisions, when the pirate ship closed in, Rackham's crew cleaned out the canoe, and the woman took and the women, Mary and Anne, took part of the ro- in the robbery. Where as Thomas thought that they might help her. Wrong answer. <laughs> she also recorded that she knew that they were not that she absolutely knew they were women from the largeness of their breasts. She quoted. Oh, yeah. She was quoted. Um. So it gives you away every time. Yeah, that's very true. The verdict was unanimous. Guilty of piracies, felonies, and robberies committed upon the high sea. Oh. Dangerous. The Jamaican governor spoke next, and he asked whether they had anything to say that might persuade him to spare their lives. No, they answered. So the governor said... You, Mary Reed, and Anne Bonny are to go from hence to the place from where you came and from thence to the place of execution where you shall be severally hanged by the neck till you are severally dead. Uh-uh. Clearly, Reed what and Bonnie weren't happy They have about to go that. back to where they came from? Well, that's what it says, but I mean, maybe so they have to pay for it, not him. I don't know. Reed <laughs> and Bonnie both, at this point, pleaded... With their bellies. That's what I do. <laughs> Ask for mercy because they were both pregnant. Oh, great. <laughs> Plot twist. Bring the court granted them this. a stay of execution until they gave birth. Mary Reed died in prison, and they say most likely from a fever from childbirth. A ledger from a church in Jamaica lists her burial on 28 April 1721, and it said, Mary Reed, comma, pirate. So it was around the time she would have delivered That's the baby. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think she'd be proud of that. Yeah, she would be. There's no record of Bonnie's release, and this has led to speculation as to her fate. But I actually wrote, this has fed speculation. <laughs> I guess it could be either one. Yeah, it could be okay. fed. A ledger lists the burial of Anne Bonnie on December 29, 1733, in the same town of Jamaica where she was tried. Charles Johnson writes in... A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates, published in 1724, she was continued in prison to the time of her lying in and afterward reprieved from time to time. But what has become of her since we cannot tell? Only this we know, that she was not executed. So it's rumored. Yeah. So it's rumored that Anne's father paid the ransom to the governor of Jamaica brought his daughter back to Charleston where she gave birth to Rackham's child because she was right, pregnant. Right. Apparently she got remarried to Joseph Burley and they had eight more children together. Oh my gosh. This says she died in April of 1782. Wow. So she went on to like live a whole nother life. Can you life. imagine if you, it's just like your mom and she has eight kids and she's yeah, just she like, like a stay mom and she's like, oh yeah, I used to be a pirate. <laughs> yeah. Now she's June Cleaver. Before she was a pirate. Now she's June Cleaver. I should tell my kids that one day. Yeah. (laughs) So she ended up dying in 1782, which I think we figured out. uh, I figured out 1782. She was born in uh, 
like 1697 1600. Yeah. So she was like mm, 92, 80, 82. Eight, between 80 and 90. Wait a minute. It was 17. What year did I say it was? 1782. 1782? Yeah. So she was eight between 82 and 85 or something like that. So, um, yeah. So she was pretty badass. Led that's, a pretty badass yeah, life. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. So... Um, a couple of the things I found, there's a bunch of like really cool stories about her. There's the lost pirate kingdom on Netflix. There's only six episodes, only one season, but me and Mia Tomlinson plays Anne Bonnie. Then there's a show called black sales on stars and it's a prequel to treasure Island, which has four season and four seasons. And Clara Paget plays Anne Bonnie and Toby, Toby Schmitz plays Jack Rackham, which I'm, I was trying to find. I couldn't find it. I need to look again. Um, Anne Bonnie is featured in a ballad in a song, the ballad of the ballad of Mary Reed and Anne Bonnie by the Baja Brigade and a second song, the second song from Death Grips album, Governor Plates, uh, is named Anne Bonnie. So she's also the subject of the song, 2018 song, Anne Bonnie by Carlene. And, um, that's about it. She, That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, she, I didn't really know there were female pirates that I, like, I dressed either. up as men. And that's why I was like, that's so cool. And then and not just her, but but Mary as well. I know. And there's like a few other that are mentioned, but I like I like focused on I her. I guess that was pretty common. And you wonder, like, did the men actually know? I mean. Well, I mean, it, it was also probably a matter of survival. So you figure, let's say, you know, your father was a pirate and then your mother got killed somehow because people died all the time. Right. There. And then he took you under his... Right. You know, and and dressed he, you as a boy. Yeah. And or whatever. Raised just, you as a boy. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's a pretty cool story. A lot of legend that. about her, a lot of lore, and then all the songs written about her. Yeah. And, like folk songs and stuff. I just thought it was very cool. So, Everyone that is the, the story pirate. of Anne Bonnet. Anne Bonnet. She badass. never, uh, from what they say here, she had two full legs, no wooden legs, and she used both of her eyes. Did she they, have a parrot? Uh, no, not that I know of. Yeah. Well, no. Sorry, Rose. She wasn't a real pirate then. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, well, that would be episode number two. Two. Season one. one. Thank you guys so much yeah, for joining hope us. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And, um... Rate and review us. Send us any questions, comments you have. Yes. Make sure you tell all your friends, family, and fellow inmates about us. <laughs> Follow us on <laughs> um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at no, no Ordinary Women Pod. And yeah, that's it. We hope you enjoyed that. Cheers to you guys. Have a happy week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye.